Disclaimer. The following podcast contains material and language that may not be suitable for minors. While not in every episode, this podcast may contain triggering subject matter that may be brought up without warning. Any information or advice given is for entertainment purposes only. We are not doctors. Please consult your physician with any medical questions or before making any decisions regarding your health. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Um, hey, Sarah, did you borrow my good pen? You mean this one? Uh, yeah. Did I tell you you could borrow that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you did. Uh, when did I do that? It's a really nice pen. Uh, what is today? Uh, I don't know, like last weekend, I think. Okay, but even if I did, that was last weekend. I didn't say you borrow it today. Well, yeah, but I mean, you you told me I could borrow it last weekend, so, like, I have your permission to borrow it now. Not all the time, just for the time that you asked. You can't just come and take it whenever you want. But that's not how that works. Like, I said, hey, Seth, can I borrow your pen? And you went, yeah, Sarah, you can borrow my pen. And so now today, I've borrowed your pen. But then you gave it back and took it again. That's not how this works. Well, I'm really confused. That doesn't make any sense at all. Can I have my pen back, please? (laughs) Take your pen. Okay, now, how ridiculous does that sound? Would you have that conversation with somebody, Seth? Like, actually have that conversation with somebody? No, and what that was was a nice little uh, drama by the Seth and Sarah players to show you how consent works. (laughs) Ta-da! Yeah, folks, consent is what this episode is all about. And I'm so excited to talk about this. I love me some consent. Oh, fuck yes. It is bread and butter. Where do we start with this wonderful subject, Sarah? That's a good question. I think we should start in my favorite place. Let's just start with a fucking definition. Should we just jump right to uh, Merriam-Webster? Always do. Okay. So the definition of consent is permission for something to happen or agreement to do something to give permission for something to happen. So that would be the definitions from the Oxford languages. It's as simple as that. To give permission for something to happen or an agreement to do something. To give permission. There's nothing better than getting that permission, mind you. Yeah. (laughs) It's really not fucking complicated. Well, it's just like we played out in our little drama play there. I gave you permission to take my pen once. Not all the time. Maybe you took a while I was sleeping. I didn't consent to that second time taking my pen. I didn't consent to you coming back to my home and take my pen again. It's my pen, damn it. (laughs) Right, it's still your pen. Just because you lent it to me last week doesn't mean that I now have unlimited access to your pen. And if I let you borrow the pen and all of a sudden don't like how you're clicking it so much, I can take it back immediately and you can't get mad at me. You mean like this? Like if I'm one of those obnoxious clickers? Yes. Clicking away? Uh And that ties into a very important thing is withdrawal of consent. Yeah. If I agree to go on a date with you or sleep with you, I can cancel those plans at any time. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And you could be upset. You'd be like, oh, I just said I really want to go out. That sucks. But you can't be like, you owe me a date. I mean, you could be, but then you'd be fucking creepy and a stalker and you're going to get flagged. No fly list. No date for you. You're going on my social media. I'm telling all my friends. And yeah. So here's the thing. You give someone permission to do something at any 
time, you can revoke that. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with revoking permission. It's such a simple concept that it's really hard to explain it in any greater detail. It's you go out with somebody, you have a nice time, things are looking really good, you're really in the mood, you start making out, things are getting hot and heavy, you're like, yeah, this is really going to go somewhere. I want to have sex with this person. That person says, I want to have sex with you. Boom, consent given. Everybody's happy. Things start getting frisky. Suddenly, you hear the gurgling from down below and you're like, oh, maybe that extra spicy chalupa, not such a great idea. I'm going to have to withdraw consent because otherwise I'm not going to guarantee that that fart's going to be a fart. Consent withdrawn. (laughs) And, you know, maybe your partner is not okay with that. But you know what? They're going to have to fucking suck it up because congratulations, we're adults. And it is okay to withdraw consent. Everyone has their own reasons. Maybe it was the extra spicy chalupa. Maybe you just realized that their breath is really awful and you can't take it anymore. Maybe they just did something weird with their hand or you realize that they have a lot of Madonna posters on their wall and you're not real sure you're into that. Like whatever your reason, you don't have to explain yourself. You're not into it. It's over. Something as simple as I've changed my mind. Exactly. I'm going to share a personal story and you can too if you want to when I'm done. But a few years ago, dating a very nice young lady, everything was going swimmingly. We get to the point where we've both agreed to have the sex. We get fully naked and I'm literally positioning myself to go into this woman. And she says, wait, I, I really can't. Um, for a split second, for a split second, I was, I, I wasn't mad. I was like frustrated, like, oh, are you kidding me? I didn't verbalize that. I just kind of took a deep breath and said, are you sure? <laughs> and when she affirmed that, yes, she was sure that consent had been withdrawn, I got off and went into the bathroom and jerked off and it was done. <laughs> and that's just it. It's like, I guarantee. Unless the person is a total sociopath, the person withdrawing consent is probably feeling as bad about this as the person who is not withdrawing consent in the situation. Because, I mean, at least like for me, I don't like disappointing people. I'm a people pleaser. So like, I know that when I'm withdrawing consent, I'm disappointing somebody. They had plans, man. They had it in their mind. This this was happening. We were doing this. They've got a heart on. You know, they're wet. Whatever the situation is, we're doing this. And now I'm saying, you know what? Uh, I just remembered that. Uh, I don't remember. I left the gas on. I have to go, and I have to now tell this person that, and I have to see the disappointment in their face, and. I have to now do the walk of shame, get up, put my clothes back on and leave or kick them out or whatever the situation is. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for me. I know it's not comfortable for them. Nobody's happy now all around unless they're like a super understanding person. And then I think that would almost make it even more awkward. But don't make it fucking harder than it has to be for anybody. Don't be that person. I mean, and what do you think is going to happen? So now you're just going to bully them browbeat them and make them feel like an asshole until they give in to having sex with you? (laughs) Like pity sex? I never want to be that guy that begs, like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Because by the time, if you do get that tacit yes, it's not going to be enjoyable for either of you. So why bother? Come on, just take care of yourself. 
I've 100% been on the receiving end of that. And I tell you that while I was not enjoying myself, the other person did not seem to give a shit. So I can tell you... (laughs) I'm sorry. With pretty much certainty that if they're the sort of person that would stoop to the the simpering and the whining and the, oh, come on, you know, just, you know, oh, come on, let's just come on. Like... you know, we did all this and like, we got the hotel or, you know, or I, whatever. And like, I manscaped for you or whatever the case may be. Like, but I bought dinner, like whatever the fucking excuses that makes them think that they now deserve sex. Like, but my pants are already off and now I have a hard on and I don't know what to do with it. Like, I'm sorry. Like you've never jerked off before in your entire life. I'm sure you can fucking figure it out. They don't give a shit. No. If you're enjoying yourself or not. Like that's not like 100% that is not what they're there for. Like they're not there for your pleasure at that. Like they don't care. They want to get off. Like at that point, you're just a wet hole. <laughs> oh, that's such a terrible way of putting it. <laughs> well, and, but you know what? But like from my perspective, that was the way I felt because I knew like at that point, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my interest or what I needed or how I felt because I wasn't comfortable. That's why I wanted to stop. That's why I was withdrawing my consent because I was no longer comfortable and I was trying to express that in as many ways as I could without just outright screaming no in this person's face. Because again, I'm a people pleaser and I have a difficult time saying no. So it was everything in the book. It was, I'm not really as in the mood as I thought I was. Or, okay, well, actually my stomach kind of hurts. Or I think maybe I drank too much. Or I'm feeling kind of queasy. And I'm coming up with everything in the book. And I'm like, I think I just need to go lay down. Like, I think I just need to go do this. And then I'm getting every excuse in the book why we need to go have sex. And then, of course, by the time we did it, like I knew it wasn't about me. And I knew that the sex wasn't about both of us having a mutually positive experience. It was about him getting off. And that was what mattered. Uh, I hate my gender sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I 100% guarantee women are fucking just as bad. Oh, I know. But women seem to share the stories more about the asshole guys they date than men, the women that took advantage of them. It seems like that's, I'm not saying exclusively the case, but it seems like anyway, from people I've spoken to. I think pretty often, maybe it's a societal thing, we're more comfortable talking about it. It's less of a, I don't want to say machismo, but there's the whole male... I cannot be taken advantage of a woman because I'm a man. Right. Well, exactly, exactly. So how do you feel about the concept of implied consent? Like, well, you know, we've been dating for so long and we were active. When you're a couple for a while, do you still have to actively ask? Or is the, can you read the signs or... Let's say you start making out, like there's no open roadblocks. There's no no's. Is an absence of a no a yes? Like if she's not stopping me while I touch her naughty bits, is that freedom to continue? Or is consent always something I should ask for in the perpetuity? I think that boils down to the physical signs. I don't think that the yes necessarily needs to be verbal. Like if I go to place my hand down her pants and she unbuttons her button, then we're good to go. Yeah, well, exactly. If I reach down and start rubbing a guy's crotch and he starts grinding against my hand, I'm going to say that, yes, that is a green light. Same as if a guy reaches his hand down my pants and starts rubbing on my clit and I'm going to grind against his hand. You know, that's... Hello. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, there are verbal indications that, yes, we are good to continue this, you know, continue moving forward. Now, again, that consent can also be withdrawn at any time. 
So maybe that's as far as the person wants to go. Maybe a little hand job is all the further they want to go. So maybe when it comes time to start taking off the pants, that's when it's like, okay, now who roadblock? Like now we're going to stop. Have you stopped in mid-coitus every time in your life because you just weren't comfortable? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've stopped for the bubble guts, like you said earlier. <laughs> okay, I didn't want to uh, explain because it was kind of embarrassing because like I'm going to poo myself. So like, oh, I'm sorry, I gotta go real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll call you. And like, I, I did. <laughs> it's like, I didn't want her to think that like, but I also didn't want to admit to the fact that that was going on. In your case, how did your partner react? Oh, I didn't actually have it. Like that was just something. <laughs> Oh. No, that was just something I made up on the fly. <laughs> no, no. I mean with the withdrawal of consent. Oh, <laughs> withdrawing consent. Well, so it's happened a number of times and the reactions have been mixed, of course. I've had a pretty negative reaction. Like, did you ever get the super macho, angry, punch the wall type of response from when you had to do it? I never got a super angry punch the wall response, but I did get a super angry punch the pillow next to my head. That's not okay. It was definitely not okay. (laughs) And that was followed by some screaming in my face. Sarah has had a long line of not great experiences. Cavalcade of douchebaggery. Yeah, you know what? People can be dicks. But I have also had some really great experiences with some people who were absolutely fantastic and understanding. Those are the ones you get your focus. Like, yes, I've dated douchebags, but there's been some great people too. And here's the thing. I'm the sort of person I understand that there are so many different people in this world. I'm never going to judge an entire species by the bad seeds that I've come across. I know that I've talked about a couple negative experiences that I've had. And we're going to talk about, I'll divulge some information about one of my long-term relationships here in a little bit once we get into another variety of consent that we're going to talk about. But life is too fucking short. There are too many good people in the world to think that everyone out there is an asshole when there are so many wonderful fucking lovely people out there just waiting to be discovered. And there are so many more of them than there are assholes. That's good to hear. It's a nice thing to understand because sometimes you meet the dregs, especially in what we do. You don't always see the best people. That is true. That is true. Definitely don't always see the best of the best. But, and when we do see people, even the best people, we tend to see at their worst moments. Yeah, of course. So we can't really hold that against them. But I did really have some positive experiences. I had uh, one partner who I was really fucked up. I was in my very early 20s. I think I was maybe 20. And we were partying. There may have been some illicit substances involved. I was well into the act when it really caught up with me some of the, the what we had been doing as far as substances. And I realized how fucked up I was. And it was just kind of, I don't want to say it was a moment of clarity, but I had this moment of like, okay, I have to stop because I'm going to black out and I'm not going to remember what has gone on. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to remember remembering this, (laughs) but I have to stop now and I have to get myself somewhere and I have to get myself safe. And some of that might've just been me being paranoid because again, drugs are bad. Kids don't do them. But I stopped my partner and I'm like, Hey, I can't do this. We have to stop. We have to stop now. And thank God I was with somebody who was a fucking decent human being because he could very well have taken advantage of me in that situation. I was 
I wasn't slight, but I was much, much smaller and he was much bigger than I was. And he could very well have taken advantage of me. And and he didn't. He stopped right away and was like, backed the fuck off. And he was like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm freaking the fuck out and I have to stop. And I'm like, and I need my clothes and I need my friend and I need fucking to go somewhere. And he's like, okay, take a few deep breaths. He's like, let's get you some clothes. I'm going to get you some water. I'm going to find your friend. And that's what he did. And he was like, on it, held my hand, got me some water, got me some clothes, found my friend. And uh, I think I wound up like wedged between a toilet and a wall for like the rest of the night, like vomiting. (laughs) It could have gone far, far worse. Yeah, it absolutely could have. So again, dude, if you're listening to this, if you remember that, thank you. Because I don't remember your name, but you were an angel. So there are good people in this world. So I've had all across the spectrum. In my experiences with people out there, I've been shot down before and it sucked, but I dealt with it. And there's been people that have been surprised. And there was one person that I didn't care for because, oh God, this really me off. They withdrew consent just to see how I would react. And they told me this the next day. Oh, that's just shitty. I just want to see what you would do. And I'm like, don't play with people. I get maybe that you're trying to test the waters and see, make sure they're a good person. There are other ways to find out. Yeah, I know for sure. I definitely don't want to sleep with you now because you're going to play games. So, and not the fun kind. So, and, and that's something that I think really needs to be discussed heavily too, is that consent isn't a game. Yeah, not at all. It's not something that you fuck with, that you play with, that you use as a weapon against someone or as a way to test someone's responsiveness or whatever this person was doing with you. That's not okay. It's not. And I know this has been a heavier part of the show, but the next part's going to be really heavy because this is something that really gets in my soul and eats away at me and really pisses me off. And it's the subject of marital consent. Yeah. Uh, there are people out there that think just because you are married, you are to be available to your spouse at all times. Hey, and remember that thing where I just said Sarah's going to dive in a little bit to some of her personal experiences? And go. (laughs) So Sarah was previously married and Sarah's ex-husband thought it was absolutely okay to just anytime he wanted to, regardless of whether Sarah was willing or not. And one of his favorite things to do was to sit in the other room and watch porn until he got hard. And then while I was sleeping, come in and just get started while I was asleep. And God forbid I should put up a fight or like tell him no, or I wasn't interested or whatever, because then I was a bad person. I wasn't a good wife. I made him feel like a monster or unattractive or an asshole. And that was, he never went so far as to say that it was my wifely duty, but definitely it was just 100% like, why am I married to you if I can't have sex with you? Uh, Where do you think that comes from? Is it strictly a religious thing? Is it a me a man? Not a religious thing because he was not a religious person. So it's more of a (laughs) me, me, big, strong man, me take what want. I think it was a proximity thing. It was just like, why is there an attractive woman in my bed that I can't have sex with? That makes no sense. So I'm just going to go have sex with her. As much as we may joke about it, you are not a whole for my amusement. (laughs) I like to think that I bring more to the table than that. (laughs) You do. You do. You you bring so so much. No, it's 
Oh, thanks. It is a fucking problem. It's everywhere. It's not just here. Other countries, women are being thrown in jail and disciplined for not sexually pleasing their husbands. And it's like, ugh, it's disgusting. Well, and of course, then we have the countries where it's all about the husband's pleasure and going so far as to mutilate the female's genitalia to make sure that she's getting no sexual pleasure out of the act. Future show topic. Yes. God. But yeah, so there are absolutely people who believe, and it's not just the people perpetrating the act. And I use that term very specifically, people perpetrating the act, because it's not just men. No, no. no. Again, it's not just men doing these things. It's absolutely women doing these things. And it's absolutely partners in same-sex relationships. It's absolutely our transgender friends. It's happening across the board. This is not a hetero issue. This is not a man versus woman issue. This is a fucking something is wrong with people issue that this is happening. But it's not just the people. It's not just the perpetrator thinking that this is okay. It is just a state of mind for some people to believe that it is not possible to rape your spouse. This really annoys the piss out of me because I'm someone who, for lack of a better term, gets off on consent. I know that you and I are more into the kinkier side of love and lovemaking. And when someone is willing to do those things with me and willing to go there with me, fucking A right, let's go. I am so excited about this. So you want to hear something that's going to really disgust you, Seth? Just I'm just going to throw this out there because you're going to love this. All right. Do you know that Nebraska was the first state to outlaw marital rape in right. 1975? 1975? Yep. That wasn't that long ago. Nope. And it took until 1993 for marital rape to become a crime nationwide. Uh... And... Through the 1990s and into the 21st century, most states continued to differentiate between the way marital rape and non-marital rape was viewed and treated. Rape is rape. If you rape your wife or your husband, it's still rape. There are still states like South Carolina, we're fucking calling you out, where marital and non-marital rape are treated very differently under the law. Mm. Yeah. So just uh, gonna fucking throw that out there. Get your shit together, South Kakalaki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until July of 2019 in Minnesota, sexual violence occurring between spouses at the time they cohabit or between unmarried partners could be prosecuted only if there was force or threat of thereof due to exemptions created by whatever article something something. Voluntary relationships, which stipulated that certain sexual offenses do not apply to spouses unless they're separated, and neither do they apply to unmarried cohabitants. These are offenses that deal with situations where the lack of consent is due to the incapacity of consent of the victim, including where the victim was drugged by the perpetrator. These situations, which were excluded from prosecution, are where the victim was mentally impaired, mentally incapacitated, or physically helpless. The term mentally incapacitated is defined as a person who is under the influence of alcohol, a necrotic, anesthetic, or other substance administered to that person without the person's agreement lacks the judgment to give a reasoned consent to sexual contact or sexual penetration. <sighs> this is depressing. Yeah. 2019. Jeez. Sometimes doing research for the show makes me sad. <laughs> I know. It really makes me sad. In Mississippi, a person can only be convicted of sexual battery 
only if he engages in forcible penetration against the victim's will, but it excludes, among other situations where the victim is rendered incapable of knowing or controlling his or her conduct or incapable of resisting an act due to the influence of any drug, narcotic, anesthetic, or other substance administered to that person without his or her consent. So, so if wait, he's, you know, conscious, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So if the spouse is unconscious because the husband drugged her, or if the husband is so drunk that he can't control his actions, it's not rape. What is it with the South, man? If I'm reading that correctly, and please, if any of our friends out there have law degrees, correct me because medical professional, not a legal professional. Not a lawyer. <laughs> not a lawyer. I'm just really pretty disgusted. So looking at it just makes me want to burn my eyes out. I'm sorry. Which would be why I didn't include any of that information in my divorce. Just so it wouldn't be public? Uh, just because I didn't want to stand in front of a male judge and try to explain that my husband raped me. Yeah, that's fair. It's unfortunate that you didn't want to put it out there, but I understand why. It is what it is. Yeah. And moved on in a better place now. Precisely. So tying into marital consent, pressured consent and consent under the influence. We just touched on that a bit while we were covering marital consent. Don't beg. Like I said earlier, don't beg and plead. It's just not okay. If you try and wear, like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Stop. Just fucking stop. Right. Here's the thing. If you have to ask them more than twice, it's no. If you roll over and say, hey, you want to screw and it's a no, then I'm done for the night. Come on, man. I'll even say, give it twice. Ask them twice. Because sometimes that first one is like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they just need that extra little nudge. But this is not a romance novel where I think in the words of the Ode to Billy Joe, they need 36 pages of no before you finally get to the yes. No means no, and it never means yes. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Only thing that pisses me off probably more than marital rape is people that take advantage of people that are under the influence or incapacitated. Oh, fuck, dude. There are some people who are into that as a kink that they enjoy, like, and their partner will pretend to be, like, drugged. I will not give it the benefit or the honor of calling it a kink because it is still sexual assault. And I know that there are some people that play sexual assault games, like the consensual non-consent or the simulated rape. Okay, fine, whatever. But right. it's a moral gray area for someone that doesn't have morals like myself. <laughs> there are some people where that is a real, that's a fetish. You're not a fetish, it's a kink for them, where they have that, like you said, it's a lot like the consensual non-consent play where it's, it's the drugging the incapacitation. But it's not fun in real life, guys. It's fun because it's a game. One of the greatest honors of my life that filled my heart with such pride. It's so small, but it was something that made me feel great about the people that I hang out with. We were at a party, and I want to say we were in our early 20s, maybe 23, 24. And I met this new person. I met them that night, and we did not sleep together, but even do anything. But uh, she had way too much to drink, like way, way too much. And, uh, me being the big brother type, the, the guy that I take care of people, you and I both for a living. It's what we do. Why we do it. <laughs> I took her downstairs and uh, one of her friends was like, oh, there's another guy down there. Is she going to be okay? And like one of the party goers who was the host, who was one of my dear friends was like, oh, there was Seth. Trust me. Everything's going to be fine. I'm like, aww. Aww. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it just don't be a fucking rapist. <laughs> so funny story. I always hung out with people significantly older than me from a young age. So I think I was like 15, maybe 16 at the time. And I'd gone to a party 
with two girlfriends. And I use the term party loosely because it was told to me it was a party. But when we got there, it was me and two girls. And I think there were, I don't remember if there were three or four guys. And that was it at this guy's apartment. And (laughs) right away, we're all drinking. I'm not drinking as much as everybody else because I was really uncomfortable. I was also very young. So this is one of the first times I'd really been out. And the girls are in their late teens. The guys are all at least in their 20s. So we're all drinking. The girls I'm with get trashed pretty fast. So the one disappears off with the one guy. Another guy's flirting pretty heavily with the other girl. She's fucking lit. Starts falling over herself. Now, this is back in the 90s maybe early 2000s. I'm trying to remember. When were like pleather pants a thing? Like the vinyl. With the zippers and stuff on them? No, not even with the zippers and stuff. Like the ones where if you even started to sweat like a little bit, like you were not getting them on or off. Oh yeah. So that was the mid 90s. Yeah, mid to late 90s. Okay. So she was wearing this pair of like like the black like vinyl pants. And do you remember like the kerchief style tops that were real popular? Yeah. That were just like a triangle of fabric. And they just kind of, the two top corners of the triangle met like under the armpits. And then they just kind of attached with a chain around the back. And like, that was it. That was the whole shirt. <laughs> so she's wearing that. So she's got like this triangle of silver cloth and then the vinyl pants. And that's her whole outfit. And these guys are all trying to get her to take her top off. And she's trashed. And she's like, well, I'm going to take my top off. And I'm like, okay, hang on a second. Like, we need to take a bathroom break because you're really, really wasted. So we go to the bathroom. And she can't even stand up. I'm holding her up. She was very small. I'm on the ground. I'm on my knees, one hand on her stomach, holding her, pinning her against the wall with one hand so that between my other hand and both of her hands, we can try to get her pants off so she can piss. (laughs) And then we had to do the other thing to try to get her pants back on. And we were in there for so long that like one of the guys tried to come in. He was like, here, let me help you. And then like it turned into this thing. And I started to really get concerned because they were getting very aggressive with trying to like come in and see her with her clothes off. And I was getting very protective. (laughs) So at the end of the night, what wound up happening was my drunk 15-year-old ass wound up driving her and the other girl back to one of their houses in the middle of the night away from this party because I'm like, somebody getting raped. Like, (laughs) somebody's going to have sex with her. And she was so blackout drunk. The next morning, she woke up and her whole foot was covered in blood because she had torn off a toenail. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) at some point getting from the car to the house and no memory, no memory of the whole night, no memory of tearing off her toenail, just completely out of it. Wow. And these guys would have had no problem. At one point, like they're trying to get me to take off my clothes and I'm like, y'all don't realize that I'm like a sophomore in high school, do you? (laughs) (laughs) And good night. Yeah, and they had no problem with that at all at that point because of course then they were all wasted. Gross. Yeah. When you do say yes, or when you get the yes, how does that make you feel when you get that consent or you give that consent? I love it. Yeah. Like when you get the green light, it's like, fuck, yes. When you have those moments of leading up and it's all sort of tentative and you're not really sure because there are those moments, especially when you're with someone for the first time and you just fucking know, like, you know, you've got the look in their eyes 
And then the first time you kiss, the first time you touch, you're like, I know that this is going, I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm walking out of here with a home run. Like there's no question whatsoever. And then you get the ones that you're not quite sure. So you kind of have to walk up and play the field a little bit, see what's going on. And when you get that go ahead, it's like, oh God, that's the best feeling in the world. It's like winning a prize. It cheapens it if you don't get it the right way to me. Nothing gets me ready more in, oh my God, I'm so hard right now in that this person has said yes, or this person, I've suggested this person. I can't imagine being okay with it being any other way, but that's just me. Right. I hate I agree. that we're going to talk about this, but you looked it up. So tell us about this fucking case that you found. All right, everybody <laughs> listening, buckle up. This is fucked. Okay. So here's the thing. The human body and our physiology, our sex organs don't care if our mouths and our brains have given consent. They don't. Now, for many people, not being in the mood or not being attracted to somebody or being in a stressful situation is enough to dry things up or to make it impossible for a man to get an erection. For many people, that's not the case for everybody. For many people, the same stimulation that would occur during consensual acts that would induce orgasm, that same stimulation performed during a non-consensual act will also induce orgasm, which is why it is not not only unheard of, but not entirely uncommon for victims of rape to orgasm, which is just salt in the fucking wound for so many rape victims, because not only are they being traumatized in so many unspeakable ways, but then their bodies are also, I'm sure they feel betraying them. And I knew I had seen it somewhere. I don't even think that this is the case that I had seen it in, because I'm really positive that in the case that I saw, the perpetrator was actually let go, that the charges were dropped. And I want to say it was an old case where... Due to the victim having had an orgasm during the rape, the case was dismissed. The quote-unquote sex, because rape is not sex, the sex had to have been consensual if they had an orgasm. That's the same defense as if a woman begged and pleaded with a guy to put a condom on, and that was consent because he agreed to put the condom on, and then she just laid there and let it happen. That's still fucking rape. It's still rape. Yeah, just because somebody like, okay, well, if you're going to rape me, please at least don't get me pregnant. Yeah, or give me some awful disease. Okay, so this case is from 2013, state of California, the people versus James Austin. God, guys, it's a 14-year-old victim. It's a little girl who was subjected to forced oral copulation by her stepfather on four separate occasions. And on all four occasions... She admitted to achieving orgasm, though during her testimony, she said that although she experienced orgasm when Austin orally copulated her, she did not enjoy it. Now, she testified she did not want him to be doing these things to her, but she was afraid that he would get angry if she refused. She said he had a bad temper. He kept guns in the house, and he warned her that if she revealed what he was doing, that she would be sent back to China where she had been born. So this guy was threatening her. He was manipulating her. He was pressuring her. And again, she's a child and he is her stepfather. Now, as if this wasn't disgusting enough, 
Austin was charged with a series of forcible and non-forcible sexual offenses, including oral copulation with a person under 16, forcible oral copulation, lewd act on a child, and unattempted unlawful sexual intercourse. During the opening statement, the defense counsel told the jury that Austin was guilty of all of the non-forcible charges, but he was innocent of the forcible oral copulation charges. The prosecution theory was duress. The defense theory was reasonable belief that the 14-year-old child consented to the oral copulation. Now, their reasoning behind her consent was that she achieved orgasm. They reasoned that because she experienced orgasm, it must have been consensual. Now, although the trial court initially ruled reasonably in the prosecution's view that the orgasms were not probative on the issue of her consent, the court later allowed, and this evidence on the ground, the prosecution had opened the door. After the child testified that she experienced an orgasm each of the four times Austin had orally copulated her, a prosecution expert testified an orgasm was merely a physiological reaction to physical stimulation, which it is. Asked if this meant a child could experience an orgasm while being sexually abused, the expert answered yes, because they can. On appeal, Austin contends the expert was not qualified to give the testimony. Of course, they were absolutely qualified, and the judgment was affirmed, and it all laid as it had been, and he was fucking guilty. Yeah. Obviously, it was hard for you to get through, and I understand why, given that you're a human being and your history, but just tell me, what about that really just get you the most? Is the double standard that women have to go out of their way to prove it that much or what? Part of it is the double standard. If you take a dude who doesn't want to have sex and you just grab his dick and you start jerking with some lube and you do it long enough, I mean, pretty much something's going to happen. Yeah, just physiologically, like you said earlier. And I don't know if it's just because the female body is so goddamn mysterious that it's so confusing for some people to understand that the same thing is not possible or the same thing that it would happen in the female body. But you're a female, well. so who cares? Providing stimulation can produce orgasm, whether the person is willing or not. So on one hand, it is the that end of it, the hypocrisy, because if it had been a man, there would have been no question. Like, okay, well, you jerked his dick raw. Like, okay, he it was not fucking consensual. Like, any guy would have gotten off. Doesn't mean he wanted it. But the fact that you took um, a child, and we've covered masturbation in another episode where we talked about sort of the age ranges where children and young adults, young teenagers are experimenting with themselves, experimenting sexually, what kind of the average ages are where this is happening, where they're learning about their bodies and discovering themselves. So 14 and a girl, how much of her body did she even know before this happened? So how much of that did he steal from her? And then now you're going to take her, you're going to put her on the stand, you're going to put her in front of all these people because they did. She's going to have to tell her story because she originally told her martial arts instructor. That was how this all got out. She did eventually tell an adult. So she's going to have to tell her story again and again and again. And not only is she going to have to tell her story, but then this tiny part of the story that she probably didn't even feel was relevant 
is going to become such a big deal. How much fucking damage do you think that that did to this poor girl? Immeasurable. And not only that, it's like as much as I hate the guy in this story, Austin, what kind of lawyer takes this case and argues this point? I mean, really? Who looks at this guy and is like, well, okay, well, you've definitely admitted to sexually abusing a 14-year-old. So I guess our best defense is to be like, well, she got off. So it had to be consensual, right? Like, Jesus Christ. I can't even imagine the amount of therapy that this poor girl is going to have to have to... Probably still in, since it wasn't that long ago. Oh, it was 2013. So it's been eight years. So she's well in her early 20s now. I mean, I really hope that she has a normal, healthy sex life now and a normal, healthy outlook on sex and her body. And she's not being haunted by the aftermath of this. But guys, folks, fucking orgasms can happen with rape. It's physiological. It just is. You rub something the right way enough times, orgasm. I like it. Not for everybody, because not everybody orgasms the same way. But if that's the way they orgasm, and that's what's happening to it, then it's going to fucking happen. And it doesn't mean that it's consent. It doesn't mean that the person enjoyed it. And it sure as fuck doesn't mean that you have permission to do it again or to tell them that they liked it. Bravo. Bravo. So, okay, you ready to get off this horrific topic and talk about something that does make me happy? Are we going to go kick Brock Turner in the balls? Fuck that guy. Convicted sex offender, Brock Turner. You got to say it right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are we going to go kick convicted sex offender, Brock Turner, in the balls? Anytime I get a chance. Oh, All right. God, that guy. Just as much as you do, love our little listeners, our little chickadees out there. Salt of the earth people. My people. Your people. We threw it out there and said, hey, what does consent mean to you? Yes, we got a lot of the same answer worded differently, but I'm going to read them a few of them because they do make me happy. Mm -hmm. So this one I love is, well, consent. Consent to me is a verbal affirmation between two or more individuals that everyone agrees at the time as to what is and will be happening, not limited to sexuality or sexual acts. That being said, consent can change at the drop of a hat as well. We touched on that. If you're in a group setting and one person wants to back out, you can't be like, well, we already started. The rest of you can go on and keep doing your thing. Subject C is backing out. You know what I mean? That's a very valid point. And I hadn't thought about that part of no, group setting. No, absolutely. If, someone, if one person backs out and you two want to keep going at it, or you three or however many, have fun. That person has withdrawn their consent and they're leaving. No hard feelings. So another one is uh, consent means another person wants to participate equally and can be withdrawn at any time. We said that so many times over the course of the show. Absolutely true. Another one. All items laid out clearly with the ability to still say I've changed my mind when things outside of the agreement are added. To simplify it, scenarios can lead to slight differences in my consent. And that's a good thing to say. Yeah. You can try putting a finger in somebody's bum. If they go, oh, 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 no, no, no. Okay, you can't do that. You can continue what you were doing, but you can't do that. And I, I would agree with that. Well, and you can say like, hey, I like it rough. And okay, well, rough to me may not same thing as rough to you. So like, maybe I like when you slap my ass, but you think rough to me means like, I'm going to slap you around the face and like, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> you know? So it's like, yeah, you got to be able to uh, roll with the punches there. 
And the last one I want to read before we say our goodbyes is consent to me is with my permission and at any given time. Permission does not necessarily mean perpetual permission. Talk about that. I love that. You know, you can't just assume, especially in situations where you're with someone for a long time, that you can just sleep with them. It doesn't always have to be necessarily, like we said earlier, absolutely verbal. It could be implied consent. It could be like, you're reading the signs. This person's into it, so you can keep going. Verbal yeses and nos are great. They are the clear direction, but they're not the Well, and exactly. And on the other side of the verbal yeses, like you said, there are or nonverbal yeses. There are nonverbal nos. Absolutely. And those are very important to pay attention to. If you go to put your hand up someone's shirt to feel their boobies and they move your hand away, that is a nonverbal no. Absolutely. And respect it, motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My favorite, if a guy grabs my hips, if we're kissing and he grabs my hips and like, and he tries to like grind against me, like he's going to try to do the hip grind thing. And I'm not into that. I kind of shift my hips to the side. So he's essentially like grinding against my thigh instead. Okay. okay. Like nonverbal communication, man. I don't want you grinding on my vagina. Not that into that. Not today, boo-boo. Not today, sweetie. Not today. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> As we always do, shout out to you guys. Tell us what you think. Did we hit the mark? Did we miss space? Did we forget something that's very important about consent? Let us know as yes. always. Twitter and Instagram at in the sack pod. Facebook, just search in the sack with Seth and Sarah. You can send us an email, Seth and Sarah Podcast at gmail.com. And the new thing that you guys start using it, come on, give us a call. 314-649-7604. That's our voicemail. Tell us what you think. Consent. How awesome is it? Tell us your stories about it. Maybe we'll play it on a future episode. Who knows? But, uh, boy, Sarah, should I tell him? Should I tell him? Do it. Do it. That's such a cool episode next week for you. It's been in the news. I'm not going to tell you who it is or what it is. We're going to have a very special guest that has a great story to tell about discrimination against sex workers. Boy, this was really fun to record, and it's going to be great. Yeah. I almost guarantee if you're on Twitter, you've heard it. Oh, yes. Join us for that very special episode next week in The Sack. With Seth and Sarah. In The Sack with Seth and Sarah has been an SNS production with cover art by Sarah Davis. Featuring music by Bradley Arl. It can be downloaded wherever you find your podcast. 